Shalom. This is Pastor Chris Shoemaker, also known as Rabbi Yehuda ben Shomer. I'm coming on with a special message to address a Facebook post that I made just the other day. Now, I'm only on Facebook for ministry and networking purposes and uh, for easier communication with my congregation. I really don't scroll or post that much at all. It's, you know, I mostly use it for messenger, but on the rare occasion that I do post, uh, I only post if there's something that's really important. So this is what I wrote the other day. I rarely post now, so if I do, it's important. I have felt something off the past few days, and the feeling has intensified today. I feel like something very evil on the world stage is about to happen, and we're all being distracted so as to fail to pray. Again, I can't give you any specifics because I don't know any. I just know what I feel so strongly. Join me and pray against this evil that is about to happen. Whatever it is, God knows. I feel as if I'm bracing myself for something. Sorry if I'm sounding like a loony person. And, unquote, that was my post. And I received over 80 comments confirming that other people feel the exact same way. Not only that, but my close inner circle, uh, one of my friends said that as they were praying, they saw this big machine kind of kicking up dust and chewing up the earth as it moved along. And that kind of helps describe what I've been feeling, like something is being plowed, something being something is being mowed over. The earth is being overturned or turned over. Um, and they said that they saw the body of Messiah standing in front of this machine coming towards them with their hands out. And there was like this golden web that went before them. Uh, probably kind of reminds me of uh, Star Trek, the original series, the Tholian web. But, and it was the prayer, not just the prayer, but the praise and worship of the saints that were holding or keeping this thing at bay. Now, I don't mean to sound titillating or sensationalistic or... I'm not making this post to get clicks or votes or to have anything go viral. It's not for that purpose at all. And, you know, I, I don't want to abuse the position I have as a pastor, a rabbi, and a, a teacher. Um, I don't want to use sensational uh, religious buzz, buzzwords as the watchman on the wall, you know, and, and, and things like this. I, I'm just speaking from my heart and uh, speaking from what I feel. And most of it is, is like I said, I was just kind of putting out feelers to see if there was any confirmation and a plethora, a flood of it came back. So uh, the reason I'm addressing this is number one, to bring people's attention uh, to this feeling and maybe there'll be a check in your spirit like, yeah, yeah, I, I feel that too. So just a confirmation that you're not alone and that you're not a loony person. Second of all, the importance of not being distracted, of keeping your focus and your eyes on the written and living word. Keeping your eyes and focus on the written and living word. Yeshua is the living manifestation of the written word of God. We have to keep our focus on the written word and the living word. And I know this is a worn out scriptural illustration, but here it goes anyway. 
like Peter walking on the water. When he got distracted by the storm, the winds, the waves, he began to sink. He began to sink. And if he had just kept his focus on Yeshua, on Jesus, on the living word, he would have been fine. And we don't need to be distracted by this conspiracy theory, by this uh, social agenda, or this political hoopla, or the financial crisis, or even the war in Israel, uh, or Ukraine. We don't, we don't need to be distracted by these things. And yes, prayer is important. Praying against this, using the power and the authority of the name of Yeshua, the name of Yahweh, the blood of Yeshua. Um, yes. But not only that, we fail to utilize one of the greatest weapons that's ever been given to us. And it's not always seen as a weapon, but praise. Praise. Now, the Levites, they were tough warriors. Uh, when called upon, they drew their sword and uh, mowed down even their own who was disobedient to the word of God. But they ended up becoming priests. They were kind of like priests and military police of the whole nation of Israel. But what their role was in warfare was to go on the front lines ahead of the battle, ahead of the warriors, ahead of those that were swinging swords and shooting arrows. And all they did was sing. This was like psychological warfare to the enemy. They were singing praise and worship to God pre-battle. And it really psyched out the enemy because it, it really exuded confidence. Because they were praising even before the battle began, meaning they believe they've already won. So just as Paul and Silas, when they were beat and imprisoned and put in stocks, they didn't whine, they didn't boohoo, they didn't even pray. They praised. They praised, and the shackles fell loose. Not only did their cell door, but all the cell doors and the cell block opened, so much so that the guard who was sleeping on the job thought the prisoners had escaped. He knew he was going to uh, be killed anyway, executed for losing the prisoners, so he decided to do himself in, and that was considered honorable back then. And Paul said, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Now, we know that we're going to be going through troubles, trials, and tribulations. It's something that scares the Western believer, something that is, that is un, unknown and unexperienced by the Western believer because we've lived in quote-unquote Christian nations of Canada and the United States, but we are actually living in a post-Christian society, and our nations have, have walked away and have renounced the Judeo-Christian foundations and roots of the country, scrapping the morality, scrapping the Judeo-Christian principles and faith, going for a woke, humanistic, secularistic, Luciferian ideology. And therefore, believers are ridiculed and are persecuted. It's just, it's only going to get worse. We also remember the scripture you're to be in the world, but not of the world. And that's sort of loosely based on Yeshua's prayer for not only the disciples, but for us in John chapter 17. Now, Israel, even though they were in the midst of Roman occupation or even carted off to Babylonian captivity at one point for 70 years, 
They were those that stayed faithful because even though they were in the world, they were not of the world because they knew what their roots were. They knew the rock they stood on, and it was the word of God and the faith of God's people. Daniel was unshaken. Three years of Babylonian university couldn't turn his heart and mind, couldn't assimilate him. Joseph became viceroy, second in command of Egypt. He even dressed like an Egyptian and adopted some Egyptian customs, not the pagan ones, of course. But he couldn't be swayed or shaken off the foundation of the word of God and of the faith of God that he was raised in. So that's how they could be in the world, but not of the world. And when somebody becomes in the world and a part of the world, there's the prophetic cry, come out of her, my people, come out of Babylon. So even though our physical bodies may be in Egypt or Babylon, our hearts, our minds, our spirits are not to be in Babylon, not to be in Egypt. So we need to keep our nose in the book and keep our eyes focused on the written and the living word. We need to praise God for the things that we don't have, but because he's a good God, he's going to give us. Now, let me, let me bring to you this idea in light of what I read. Let me read to you my post again. I have felt something off the past few days, and the feeling has intensified today, and I, I feel like something evil on the world stage is about to happen. I mean, I don't know whether this is civil war, whether this is an economic collapse, whether it is, God forbid, another ridiculous, stupid outbreak, scamdemic, plandemic lockdown. Don't know. But it says, I feel like something very evil on the world stage is about to happen and we are all being distracted distracted by what the war in russia and ukraine the war in israel um you know the, the the elections the upcoming elections this coming year the political hoopla the woke ideology and you know all the the trigger points so as not to be distracted so as to fail to pray again i can't give any specifics because i don't know any why because i'm not a prophet so I go on to say, I just know what I feel so strongly. Join with me in prayer against this evil that is about to happen. Whatever it is, God knows. I feel as if I'm bracing myself for something. Sorry if I'm sounding like a loony person. So in light of that, uh, I want to bring you to this idea. Where did the church start? Oh, I, I see the hands raised, and I know you're, you're itching to say in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. Eh, wrong. Thanks for playing. Where it really began was in the wilderness. Because there is a passage that talks about Israel being the church in the wilderness. The church in the wilderness. I'm going to see if I can find that for you. So, so, um, so you could at least have the reference to know what I'm saying. And this is, this is uh, in the King James. But it says um, in Acts chapter 7, 38, talking about the church that was in the wilderness. So let me read that for you. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles given to us. So the church began in the wilderness. Why was it began in the wilderness? Because God took them out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt. 
the beast system, the antichrist system, the world system, if you will. The wilderness was not a punishment. It was a refuge. The wilderness wasn't a punishment. It was a salvation. God didn't bring them out of physical bondage just to put them into spiritual bondage, as some Christians say. Why do they say that? Because they say the law is a bondage. And where was the law given? In the wilderness. That's a pretty cruel and sadistic God. To take them out of physical bondage only to put them in a spiritual bondage makes no sense, holds no water. It's, it's just ludicrous. So the wilderness is a place of refuge, a place of protection, a place of provision. When Elijah had to run from Jezebel, where did he go? Wilderness. How was he provided for? By the ravens that gave him meat and the water from the brook. When that ran out, what happened? Well, God still provided, right? We're so focused. And, and I do, this is the saying that God has given me for the past several years. And I've said it so much, many of you are probably sick of hearing it. Stand like Daniel, prepare like Noah, and expect to be provided for like Elijah. So stand like Daniel. Don't be moved in your faith, in your ideology, in, in being rooted on the rock of the written and living word of God. You see what's coming down the pike. You're stupid if you don't prepare. Do we depend on these provisions and you know this preparation? No, because it could be taken away from us at any moment. But still, it behooves us to do what we can to prepare. Noah prepared, knowing that the flood was coming, knowing that he had to survive in this ark with all these animals and his family. So we do the same to the best of our ability, within our means and resources, without going into debt or doing us financial harm ourselves. And then what do we do after that? We expect to be provided for like Elijah. The ravens provided him meat and the, and the brook uh, provided him water. How was the children of Israel provided for in the wilderness, the church in the wilderness? Well, first of all, they had water from the rock. They had manna that came with the, with the morning dew. Uh, they had quail. It said that their shoes and their clothes didn't wear out for those 40 years. That's miraculous. They had the best GPS system in the universe. Cloud by day, fire by night. God himself, right, led them. The persecution of the first century believers in Acts was a type of wilderness. Even though they were in the world, they were not of the world. They had to go underground. They, they lived and worshipped in catacombs, lived and worshipped out of their homes. They were, you know, uh, ostracized from society, kept from jobs. They were persecuted, taxed, harassed, imprisoned, fined, martyred in some cases. But they never was shaken from the solid foundation of the written and living word of God and of their faith. They stuck to their guns. And what happened as a result? Miracles. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Peter being released, you know, um, just other miracles that, that we, you know, healings. You know, God forbid if there's another lockdown and another scamdemic. We're not going to have access to doctors for those who said, no, 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 we're not playing this game again. Fooled us once, huh. shame on you. Fooled us twice, shame on me. Not wearing a mask, not getting inoculated, not doing what you say, which means we probably won't be able to buy or sell, means we won't be able to go to the doctor because we refuse to wear, you know, a diaper on our face. 
So what do we do then? <laughs> we expect to be provided for like Elijah. Lord taught me a lesson in this just recently. It's been a very odd winter. We, we had this, this huge storm and a lot of water and my basement flooded, which it hadn't done so in probably a decade or more. Borrowed a sump pump from my wife's cousin. We got the water out. Lo and behold, they said, hey, there's another one coming. You know, tropical storm, tropical winds, hurricane force winds. So we knew the power was going to go out. The basement flooded again. We couldn't suck it out because we didn't, wouldn't have any power. And I remembered that Yeshua himself spoke to the elements. He rebuked the wind and the sea, and it obeyed him. Peace be still. We are heirs and joint heirs with Messiah Yeshua. He's given us the, the authority in his name. He said, you'll even do greater things than I've done. So I said, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something. So before the storm began, I spoke to the ground and I commanded it in the name of Yeshua to wick away the water from the house and to have, it, have the water and rain soak up and run off elsewhere so that the basement doesn't flood. Sure enough, the rains came, power went out. I went to check every hour, bone dry. And every time I checked, I was like, hallelujah, Baruch Hashem, praise you, Lord. So the Lord taught me a lesson in that. Uh, and it, it bolstered my faith. Where is the safest place to be? In God's will, in the center of God's will, in the hands of the living God. Where's the safest place to be? The lion's den. Where's the safest place to be? In the ark, in the middle of a flood. Where's the safest place to be? In the middle of the fiery furnace. <laughs> safest place to be. There are many that are immigrating as we speak back to Israel, even though they're in the midst of a war because they say it's safer there. <laughs> How so in the middle of a war zone? They trust God. So guys, I don't want what's coming or I don't even want my post to rattle you or to shake you. I'm so glad that there's been, been confirmation. And that really makes me feel good. Know that I'm not alone. Um. So, you know, I, I just praise God for other brothers and sisters that are awake. They're not woke, but they're awake, so they, they know what's going on. Uh, but I don't want you guys to be scared or rattled. What if, what if, what if, what if? We don't know what if. We are to have childlike faith. What's the faith of a child? When they fall asleep at night, wake up in the morning, do they really worry or concerned about what's for breakfast? Unless you're in an impoverished situation, no, not really. If you're in a neglectful situation, yeah, maybe so. But, you know, a, a, a healthy child, they go to bed, wake up. They just know breakfast is going to be there. They don't worry about it or wonder where it's going to come from or wonder if it's, it's going to be there. They just know it's going to be there. They know either mom and dad are going to have the turkey, bacon, and eggs and the pancakes on the table. Or there's going to be, you know, cereal in the cupboard and milk in the refrigerator. They know... They have a childlike faith. They don't worry about things. They know they know their parents are going to provide for them. They know. They don't even think twice. They don't even worry about it. We're to have a childlike faith that God is going to provide for us. So what's coming? I don't know. Another lockdown, job losses, whatever. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because God will provide. If we've done our best, God will do the rest. 
may not be a Bible verse, may not even be biblical, but I like the, the, the pithy saying, right? Works for me. As uh, Hunter used to say, works for me. And as Hannibal from the A-Team, I love it when a plan comes together. God knows how to make a plan come together. We're going to be all right, folks. Am I going to say that you're not going to be scared? No, because I am. I'm going to admit that. The bravest soldiers admitted that they're scared in the foxholes and on the front lines. Didn't stop them from fighting. But, they, but God gave them the supernatural strength and power to fight despite the fear. They overcame the fear. So fear is normal. When we, let, when we let fear affect us in a negative way, that's sin. That's unhealthy. Right? So faith overrides the fear. Hang in there, folks. Hold tight. 2024 is not looking too good from a, from a earthly, fleshly, physical, global standpoint. But as long as you know you're in the center of God's will, and you stand like Daniel, prepare like Noah, expect to be provided for like Elijah, you're golden. You're in the safest place that you can be, and watch God provide. Watch revival! break out we've been praying for revival for years but we've been but we've been so reluctant to shed ourselves and unshackle ourselves from our comfortable pet sins and we wonder why that there's no revival persecution will bring revival the hardship the hard things that are coming that we dread that we fear that it we, we don't want it's going to bring revival It's brought revival in persecuted parts of the world, China, North Korea, and Islamic and atheistic majority countries where Christianity, where believing in Yeshua, following the Bible, owning a Bible is illegal, even in some cases a death penalty. And yet the church is growing. The body of believers is growing, and they're strong. Revival's breaking out. And that's going to happen with us. Doesn't matter who's in office. Doesn't matter who gets there illegitimately or legitimately. Doesn't matter what the powers, the black hats, the Illuminati, whoever you want to call them, is. That's the, the God of this world that's sub subjected to the lowercase g, God of this world. And they're pretty much running the show. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's Nero. Doesn't matter if it's Domitian. Doesn't matter. Who's on the earthly, earthly throne? We know who's on the throne of the universe. We know who's on the heavenly throne. They're the one that's really in charge. God is the one that's in charge of it all. Nothing takes him by surprise, and nothing can thwart God's plan. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28 and Matthew 6.33. That if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, which those are the two verses God gave me for this year or this past year. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, what things? All the things you stand in need of will be added unto you. We just got to keep our eyes and focused on the written and living word of God and we need to stick together as a community of believers because we're gonna rely and depend on each other. Hold the line, folks. Stand strong. Don't move, don't budge. God has got us. Love you guys. Thanks so much for listening. Shalom and God bless.